The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Life is changing quickly for all of us, and it's easy to get caught up in those trials and tribulations that occur on a daily basis. But what I want you to understand is that humanity is entering a new era. We are evolving into super-powered beings of light, and our auric energy bodies are experiencing a transformational shift as new crystalline structures form within and around our auras. Today, I have an expert when it comes to the human aura and energy systems, and I'm really delighted to have Kayla Ambrose, a respected wisdom teacher, intuitive and oracle, show us how to connect with the rapidly changing energy body and expand the awareness and capability on physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels. We're going to be talking about her book, The Awakened Aura, Experiencing the Evolution of Your Energy Body, and it is a power-packed book of information. This ground making guide contains a wealth of practical exercises. It's got diagrams and instructions that show you how to use this transformative energy to create powerful positive change in your own life and in the world. It's very easy to get caught up in thinking that we're just the body, but we've got a lot more going on that we need to tap into and be aware of so that we can really impact ourselves and the world around us. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kayla Ambrose to 1111 Talk Radio. Thanks so much for having me on the show. appreciate it. It's wonderful to have you here, and this really is a wonderful guide for people to understand their bodies, understand the energy of their bodies, and that they have power and control on how to shift that energy if they're willing to be attentive to it. Truly, and what I try to say most is we are more than we remember ourselves to be. I believe we have this wisdom within us. It carries within us from lifetime to lifetime. And my job is not so much to be a teacher but a guide, and I'm just prompting with that information, saying, do you remember who you are? There's so much more to you than you may know. So how did you get started with this, scale? I know that as a young child you were very empathic and that you've always had this ability to connect with people energetically or see auras. Talk a little bit about how this initial pathway began that is really leading to you helping people uncover their power and greatness. I think how people describe it these days is that I'm an old soul, and I I seem to come back really remembering these things. And my mother used to tell me that even when I was little in the playpen that I would look at her with these old eyes and just... uh, 
seemed so in control, and she said she felt she should crawl in the playpen and take a nap and just let me get on with things and run the show. And I've always been that way. And as soon as I could learn to read, I spent every moment I could at the library. And my parents would get called all the time saying, uh, she's rewriting the book. She needs to come <laughs> pay for these books now that she's written on in the library. And I would read books on ancient history and mythology and legends and say, that's not how it happened. I remember. And I would, I would be editing the book correcting them and rewriting. And so my parents knew early on that they were in for something with me. And I just remembered past lifetimes. I came back for some reason where it gets closed for a lot of us. For me, they were as vivid, uh, you know, almost as the life I was having. I would have them in dreams. I would remember things, remember people. And so I had that connection. And it runs in my family. My great-grandmother raised her entire family reading tea leaves for a living and doing that. And I was born in Louisiana where it's kind of, I guess, more accepted down there. Everyone kind of has a ghost story or someone who's intuitive and they know of these things. And my grandfather was very much that way too. And every third generation, one of us is born with this big flock of red hair and we seem to have these gifts. And so my mother was kind of prepared for what was coming. And everyone in the family and my family's got some intuitive ability in one way or another. And mine just came back full blast. So I could see auras, I was intuitive, I had prophetic dreams, um, it just all came back at an early age, and because it wasn't shunned, I was allowed to talk about it, so I was allowed to start doing astrology charts, uh, I think I was around 12 or 13, I was allowed to read tarot cards and study with teachers at that time, and, and I remember telling my parents when I was around 14 that I wanted to go study with every type of religion in the world, and they let me, I went to mosques and temples and different churches, and I really started to understand that we're all saying the same thing, and it led me to an understanding that I called many paths, one destination, that we all learn in whatever way is right for us, uh, but we're all seeking that same destination, which is to know ourselves better and to know the divine in whatever way we conceive it to be, and that really helped me explain why people... um, you know, have different religions and paths, but but according to what works for their personality. And so I respect them all, and I think they're all needed. And that just kept compiling over time until I studied with mystery schools, and I studied with three different teachers from the aspects, and ancient Egypt and Greece and India and um, other places, and uh, remembered lifetimes there. So I eventually, I thought I was just going to study that, but it turned out those teachers were saying, you're going to do this too. You're going to be a wisdom teacher and teach the mystery school teachings. And that's what my first book was about, the nine life-altering lessons. I wrote about what I teach the students and what students have always studied in the mystery schools of old. And I don't know if I ever had a choice not to be this or not to follow this path. It's for as long as I can remember, this is what I did, even thing or as a child and, and coloring them and when you had to color pictures in school of your family and your house and I would color an aura around my dog mm-hmm. and <laughs> all the family members and I, I went to a Catholic school the nuns were like you're, col- you're not supposed to color in, you know, outside the lines you're not doing it right and I'm trying to explain that the color is outside the lines and that's you know my first time of, of remembering that and trying to realize and explain that I was different and not everyone was seeing that and it sounds like you know, people hear this, they think, oh, that's so different. But to me, as a child, you don't know. You, you don't realize that other people aren't seeing colors around people or knowing things. I, I just thought that was normal. I guess that's the way I can explain it. I, I love how you said the colors outside the lines because that really, <laughs> is, that really is how it is. You write in the book that you believe one of the most important factors in evolu- this evolution is this ability to see and sense the auric fields and mm-hmm. that 
that when we do this, you can see how others are truly feeling and what they're actually saying. Talk a little bit about that. That really is, is the reason I wanted to write this book. When I went to the well and the publisher and said, I, I want to write this book, the whole point was there's a lot of great books out about auras that explain what a color means and what to do. But I'm seeing an evolution, and I'm seeing auric cords change around the body. I'm seeing people's auras actually change in a way I've never seen before and over these past decades. And so I'd been seeing this, and I realized we are waking up and we are evolving, and these gifts that uh, we have are, are for all of us, and other people have these abilities. So I wanted to write a more comprehensive instruction manual on how to see the auras, and then secondly, why? Why bother seeing them? Why would you want to? And to me, there's just so many practical reasons. If you're a mother and you have a baby and the baby's crying and you don't know why, but you can see in the aura if it's in the physical aura or the mental auric field or the emotional you can understand if the baby is sick, is that why they're crying, or are they just tired and cranky, or is there something else going on? When you can see these fields, you can understand when people can't communicate otherwise. If you have a teenager and so that's who's another, moody. So it's oh, another yeah. language for us to be able to interpret so that, so that we really have more of a sense of what's going on, because I think some of us are just kind of walking around blindly uh, using just the... Uh, the surface senses, but not really going deeply into the core senses that we all have. Absolutely. I think, actually, language is the hardest way to describe something. Anyone who's ever had any type of spiritual experience or has been deeply in love, it's very hard to put it into words, what it feels like. And when spirit communicates with us on the other side... As far as when I see it, they show me more, it uh, looks like movies and pictures and things. It's not really language. I think language is the hardest way to describe it. So when we can see the aura and see what's going on uh, all-encompassing with the person, it's actually kind of a deeper understanding and connection with that person than just talking to them and saying, well, how are you feeling? And the person goes, oh, I'm fine. But if you can see in their aura what's really going on, you understand at a deeper level with things that sometimes people can't say at that time. Uh, teenagers are a good example of that when they're not wanting to talk, they're going through things, and their emotional aura is so huge, it's developing, it's largest at that time. And they might not want to tell you what's going on, but if you can see their aura, you can see what's going on, whether they're depressed or whether they're just moody and it's just a mood for the day at the time. And So it opens up so many possibilities to understand people on a deeper level. Now, you also said that seeing auras can lead to self-actualization in the body, mind, and spirit how does that happen? How does the aura help us become more self-actualized? Well, according to the ancient wisdom teachings, from age zero to seven is when our physical aura field uh, expands the most. And we focus on, you see the physical body growing, and as well that aura surrounds us and gets nourished. And then from 7 to 14 is when the mental body of the auric field expands and grows the most. That's why it's so important with children to get the basics in elementary school uh, because what they learn at that time is establish the greatest in their mental auric field. So uh, when they get those basics, they repeat them later, and it helps them learn. From 14 to 21 mm -hmm. is the emotional field, and that's when we really develop the most our emotional auric field. So whatever is experienced by someone of that age, it feels so much much stronger emotionally to them than it does to us later. And then from 21 onward, we begin to expand our spiritual org fields and learn to balance and combine those. And according to the ancient teachings, this, this continues every seven years, so 21, 28, 
five forty two keep going until you get to seven times seven at forty nine and it's said at that point that you've worked out most of the things where you've learned to to balance and understand these fields, and you make a conscious or subconscious decision at forty nine whether you're going to go further and become a master of these things and what we would call a sage or a wise woman or things when people start to master all that that they've gained over these seven year cycles. So when you understand that and then you get to that point, you can then actively learn to work with all these fields to master them on all levels. And with that understanding, what's also fascinating is science is starting to catch up with this and understand, uh, like Bruce Lipton's talked about and many others about the biology of belief and the genie in your genes with Dawson Church, that genetically our genes actually recreate themselves every seven years. And we're kind of a new person from the inside out in seven-year cycles, which coincides with these ancient teachings. So when we consciously understand that, we can reprogram ourselves from the tiniest genetic part of ourselves all the way to what's in the aura which reflects back to us with our physical, mental, and emotional, spiritual fields, we create everything in our lives and, and in a sense, be reborn every seven years in a cycle if we wanted to. And when we have that information, the possibilities are limitless of what we can do. Working with your auric field can potentially release blockages, which otherwise may have led to disturbances in the physical body as well as the mental and emotional fields. This inner transformation marks a historic evolution in our metaphysical bodies as we're becoming more powerful light energy beings who are able to connect with the forces of the earth and with the powers from the higher planes. My guest today is Kayla Ambrose and her new book, her book is The Awakened Aura, Experiencing the Evolution of Your Energy Body. This groundbreaking guide contains a wealth of practical exercises, diagrams, and instruction. And you're going to learn how to repair the aura and maintain a balanced, healthy energy body, interpret and work with the auras of infants, children, and teens, understand energy cords and how they attach in relationships, sense and balance energy in buildings and locations, sense and communicate with spirit guides, use elemental energy to enhance the auric field, access the Akashic Records, and so much more. You can find out more about Kayla Ambrose at exploreyourspirit.com. In addition, uh, you can also connect with her radio show, which is Explore Your Spirit with Kayla, and you can find out uh, more about her writings. She writes as a national columnist for the Huffington Post, the Examiner, AOL, and Yahoo, and she presents workshops and conferences uh, nationally, including Omega Institute, Learning Annex, and online for Daily Ohm. We'll be right back with Kayla Ambrose, exploreyourspirit.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset. 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. The auric field, in actuality, the radiance of the soul. The human aura is the radiation or emanation of energy as contained in each body. This emanation can grow in strength and size and expand the fields and layers around the auric fields according to individual development. The human aura is both physical and spiritual in nature and is affected by emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual energy. This is from Kayla Ambrose's book, The Awakened Aura, Experiencing the Evolution of Your Energy Body. You can find out more about all of the work that she does at exploreyourspirit.com, but in particular, access this book, The Awakened Aura, because this is going to be your guidebook on learning how to access this energy and be able to see it so that you can be more well-equipped in the world as to what's really going on, the things that go beyond language. So, Kayla, I want to talk a little bit about how uh, you describe the many layers of the order. And one thing that you said was that there are many auras. So is there, there's not just one. There's actually many different ones. And which is the easiest to see and how can a person see it? I just threw a lot at you. <laughs> Sure. That's, there's an ancient hermetic axiom that was taught in the mystery schools called as above, so below, and as within, so without. And basically, uh, as briefly as I can explain, what they're saying is that our higher self and our soul stays in the higher spiritual planes. And it forms like a, a big V, picture it like a V above your head. So up above in the higher planes is where the essence of you mainly stays up there. And when you're born each time and your soul comes down, it travels on a cord that comes from these higher planes. And part of your soul comes down into the body, entering at the top of the head there and what people refer to as the crown chakra, uh, coming through. And in babies, we see that as we call it the soft spot there on the skull. Comes down and comes down then into your uh, 
uh, spine and anchors with your chakras as well and emanates outward into what we call the auric field. With these teachings, how it's explained is that part of you always stays up in the higher planes. There's always that connection through the cords, and there's cords that stay connected uh, throughout your lifetime, sending information back and forth. So we receive this information in that way. So when it comes down, there's, there's many layers to us, much more than we realize. Um, but for most teachings, we stay with the first seven because that's the most that most people are able to see. And so the first layer is called your etheric field. Uh, it's kind of the battery that runs you. It's that white light. If you've ever seen the aura around someone, it's a white light that's about a half inch above the body. And that's the spirit. That's the animated part that's giving you life. It starts at your first breath and it ends you, uh, when you die. And so that's the one that people are able to see first when they're first learning to see the auras, which I teach. I teach at Omega, and I teach on John Edward, uh, John Edward's show on Infinite Quest and other places. I, I show people how to see the auras. It's not that hard. Once you do see it the first time, you, it, you can go much quicker. So before you go further, Kayla, into some of those other layers, um, in seeing that initial first one, what kind of practices or um, preparations does a person need to do to ready themselves to begin to see auras? I have about a 95% success rate getting people to see auras, and it's very little preparation is needed. It's really learning to relax and move out of the uh, the logical side of the brain into the more creative side, which helps immensely. So what I do is get people to relax, and then it's looking without staring is the best way to describe it. It's like when you try to see artwork, like if you've ever seen Salvador Dali's work or others like that where there's a picture within a picture, and you have to let your eyes relax so that you see uh, the picture. You know, I think sometimes there's been pictures like that where is it an old man or is it a bunny rabbit, and you have to adjust your eyes and see. You're kind of doing the same thing when you're looking. You want to relax and not stare hard at the person. You're just kind of gazing right above the head, and when you do and you relax, you begin to see it. It's it's almost like you haven't been told it's there, so you don't see it, and then once someone helps you learn to relax and see it, you begin to see the white light, and once you do, you see it around others. And so I put people through exercises uh, through a workshop like that over a weekend where they just practice looking and other partners, we pull people up front and, uh, you know, put them against a white wall and where uh, you look against the hairline and you begin to see it. And once the eye does, then you're able to see it further. And uh, so it's it's fairly easy to do. It takes me about five to ten minutes to get people to see an aura for the first time. I like the way uh, you describe that in terms of seeing a picture within a picture because I think many times... People are doing the opposite. They're trying so hard and concentrating to try to see something, and that's actually working in the opposite direction. You can't force it, absolutely. It's, it's almost getting out of your mind a little bit and just relaxing and seeing what's there all the time that we just don't normally see and haven't been told that we could see. And once you are told and you realize that, most people are able to see something pretty quickly. And then like anything, it takes practice. You, you work more at it. You begin to see the other fields and uh, the more you learn to do and expand with it. And, and so uh, back to your question then, so there's the layers and that's the first one you see is the physical, the kind of etheric, the battery, running the body, animating the body in a sense. And then comes the mental field, uh, and then the emotional field, and then the spiritual fields that, that go on beyond, and they spread out layers. And 
I call them kind of emotions in motion. The aura is always changing. The fields are very fluid. They move to me kind of like wings or like the ocean, kind of in and out, almost like breathing. And they move back and forth like a wave. And when people are emotionally upset, that field gets larger and takes on more space and more color. If someone's thinking very hard, I'll show people in exercises how we'll get someone to think and you can watch the auric field come up closer to the head and then point outwards. And it looks like a big... uh, pyramid pointing outwards. And the first time I saw that, it looked like a dunce cap to me, that long pointed cone that you see that they call a dunce cap. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's the same as that cap. It really works. They're trying mentally to get more information. So you can see the org fields when they reach out to the other higher planes to get information, which science is now catching up and realizing that the brain is not where the information comes. The brain is the last place to receive the information and then kind of compute it like a computer and process it and tell the body what to do. And we've seen this in references all around us. Oh, that thought came to me out of the blue. Or, uh, you know, uh, you'll see cartoons where there's a light bulb and it pops above the person's head like a bright idea. That's because we get this information from our higher self and from the higher planes. And these ideas come from out there. And then they come down into us through our aura, filtered through, and then we finally process them. The brain is the last part that we do. So when we understand this, we can learn to expand our aura and our mental field and expand these fields and get information, or if we want more of a spiritual connection or emotionally. And that's that's how they connect. And then what I'm seeing now evolving more is that we're actually creating cords that are coming from these fields and attaching to others to have deeper relationships, to have deeper understandings, and uh, to release energy as well, which is something new that I haven't seen before and I've been seeing for the past 10 years. And it really excites me because I see our these fields expanding even greater where I believe everyone is going to have this ability. It's going to be as normal as anything else you do and one day just be taken for granted. Like, well, of course I see auras and can tell if someone's lying or tell if someone's upset or, or whatever else. And people already do have this. I explained to them, if, you, if you've ever walked into a room and felt the uneasiness energy in the room and you don't know what's wrong, but you know something is wrong here and no one's spoken a word, but you know it. Or you're sitting somewhere and you feel someone staring at you and you turn around to see them. That's that's your auric field picking up on that energy, which originally was made to help protect us in the wild so that we can, you know, have be snuck up on. And our fields are very fluid like that. They're there to help us. And it's going to become uh, mainstream and very normal. So I have a quick question because a lot of people that do know about auras uh, kind of relate that definitely to color. So what affects the changing of the color uh, for the aura? And um, not that it's good or bad, but can you talk a little bit about um, what differentiates dense types of auras from light-looking auras? Okay. With color, it changes all the time. And what I've identified is each person has what I call a power color. It's kind of a main color identified to their energy and who they are. And I see that within the person. And then what I also see is the colors that change around them um, according to what's going on in their life. So these change all the time. And people will bring me their aura photo that they had taken somewhere. And I'll say, that's great, but that's your aura at that moment. And it changes all the time. And so it's important to understand that. And so I dedicated 
a lot of the book to explaining the colors and how to work with them, mantras to say, gemstones to work with, foods to eat, liquids to drink, uh, different um, elements to work with, clothing to wear, home decor. I tried to list everything I could where you can change and balance the colors in your aura. And people usually know this a lot. They'll be attracted to a color. I meet a woman that'll say, I just, I'm in an orange mood. I want to wear orange. I need to buy something orange. And, and they don't know why, but they're attracted to it. And so a lot of times when we're out of balance with the color, we'll get that prompting. We just don't understand where it's coming from, but it works in that way, or a certain craving for a type of food. And I do this in the workshops. I show people with food, I'll put different fruits, which are the best way. And I talk about the fruits for each color to balance. And so we'll go through a process in the workshop where I have people taste different fruits for the first time uh, and really absorb the food and think about it and see. And they will find that their body is telling them that this tastes good, I want more, this one uh, I don't want as much of. There's ways you can actually do simple exercises like this to see what's in tune with your colors. And it's fascinating in the workshops because people, you know, will say, I don't even like oranges, but I wanted to eat more of the orange for some reason during this time. And so they learn to taste food really for the first time instead of just how we kind of now have been focused on eating quickly and just not really paying attention. I show them again how to really taste the food and the nourishment and the, the etheric energy in the food and what it's trying to do in balance. So there's so many exercises like that that you can do that will help you. With with your question about a dense versus a lighter aura, I'm going to have you answer that question after the commercial break, Kayla. My guest today is Kayla Ambrose, and we're talking about her book, The Awakened Aura, Experiencing the Evolution of Your Energy Body. The human aura indicates the vitality and health of the body, mind, and spirit because it envelops all of the bodies. It is affected by physical illness, stress, emotional trauma, and negative thoughts, as well as love, joy, spiritual growth, meditation, and positive thoughts and affirmations that it receives over lifetimes. Too much stress can cause the aura to wear thin and crack. Too much negativity and anger can cause the aura to become thick, hard, and heavy, forming a wall around the field. Too much sadness and grief can cause the aura to become porous to the point that it leaks like a sponge. You respond, and your aura responds. You can find out more about Kayla Ambrose at exploreyourspirit.com. And I want to also announce that she's got an upcoming book releasing September 2012, which is entitled The Spirit of New Orleans as well. Again, it's Kayla Ambrose, The Awakened Aura, exploreyourspirit.com. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It's time to explore the great shift that is taking place in our world. Every week, be sure to tune in to Walking Terra Krista Radio. Terra Krista means the new earth. Hosts Christine Melaresi and Mike Hayden, also known as Mel and Mike, will guide you across the third dimensional veil to help move you toward a fifth dimensional reality. Through our guests and the wisdom of your hosts, you'll be prepared to make this shift to Walking Terra Krista. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... 
People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Your aura responds to every emotion and thought. Sympathy, empathy, love, desire, jealousy, anger, joy, and depression are sensed and expressed through the auric fields. How we feel about ourselves is expressed through our emotions, our thoughts, and our actions. We believe that we keep this inside and that no one's aware of how we feel. But the aura reflects this energy, which some people can see with the naked eye and others only feel energetically. You can feel the influence of a person through their aura, and you have the power to develop the ability to see auras. Would you like to? Well, if you would like to connect with Kayla Ambrose, exploreyourspirit.com, then you can access, first of all, this wonderful book entitled The Awakened Aura, Experiencing the Evolution of Your Energy Body. But in addition to that, you can also access her information wonderful other books and gifts, Explore Your Spirit with Kayla TV, and also her own uh, different radio and, and things that she does as well. So, Kayla, I'd like to welcome you back. And we had left off with a question, and it was uh, in regard to the dense auras and the light auras and uh, how that evolves and what that all means. So can you go ahead and answer that question? Yes, the aura responds very much to who we are. It's that outer laying. And uh, there's a great uh, story uh, book, As a Man Thinketh, by James Allen. It was written like over a hundred years ago, and I always, I always loved that book. It's a simple, tiny little book to read, and his quote, if I can remember off the top of my head, is, I think it's mind. Um, Mind is master that he talks about. Man is mind and mind is master and he thinks in secret what, but what comes to pass is that his environment is but a looking glass. And talking about that really explains the aura. We think our thoughts are hidden within, but they're not. They're reflected in our outer bodies. So, for example, when someone gets hurt emotionally, we see that in the aura. We see the pain. Um, we see the colors. We see the droopiness of it. The whole sadness hangs around the person. There were descriptions of that, like, I feel like I have a dark cloud around me. Or uh, There's so many different ways we describe this all the time in our, in our language and conversation. 
So people tend sometimes to react in one way or another, and some people will say, that's it, I'm building a wall around me, and I'm not going to get hurt anymore. So they start to, in a sense, really build a wall around themselves with their emotional field, and they strengthen it, and what they're doing at the time with their thoughts is actually toughening up that auric wall, which, as I described earlier, is kind of fluid. It moves in and out, kind of like the ocean or breath. When you put up a hard shell, you are, in effect, deflecting things and not letting things come through your emotional field so it's not felt the same way. But at the same time, you're not letting the good emotions come through either or the good energy or the light because you've made a kind of a crusty shell around you. So what happens when you do that is over time, um, the wall begins to crack. It gets tough and brittle and it cracks. And you're not letting in good energy, which we there's different ways we can bring in good energy. But when you have the shell, it's harder to get it in, and it cracks, and it's it it slows you down in so many ways. And other people respond in a different way. They become depressed or really sad about it, and their aura gets droopier to where it actually gets too mushy. And I describe it like a sponge, kind of like. Uh, like a sponge or Swiss cheese with a lot of holes in it. And so when you have that, the good energy that you're bringing in that gives you the uh, energy for all your auric fields and your body, you're not able to hold it in the same way and recharge with that white light or whatever energy work that you do to bring in renewed energy for yourself. It's leaking back out. And so both of those kind of defeat you in a different way, even though you think you're protecting yourself, you're really not. So this can be seen in the aura, and it can be seen also with the colors when they get dark and murky according to the moods or, or lighter, which our, our natural state is more rainbow-like and brilliant colors and dazzling in that way. And so you can see that in the aura when someone is angry and they, they their aura gets dark when they stay in their mental field and carry that anger and you see all the dark reds and the murky colors or you see the emotional fields that that takes precedence where the person has become so stressed and upset that it's uh, it's droopy and mushy and the colors are lackluster or not as brilliant. So I can see each field and see whether a person's being affected in their emotional or mental fields and try to help them and that's what I hope everyone can do, see that in themselves and others and try to work with that and understand that the aura needs care and and, um, care and feeding just like the rest of us with our body and it's to take if you take care of that that energy body will help take care of you at the body mind and spirit level so I understand that the aura reflects where we are but let's talk about where our world is and in terms of how that affects us because right now we live in a very fast-paced society we there's a lot of stress we've um, imposed a time clock on on the spirit and on the aura, so uh, it has its own natural rhythm, as as you write. Talk a little bit about how that affects things, in addition to how electromagnetic fields and technology affect these different energy bodies that we have. I had a great teacher that used to say, life drains your forces, which means that the fast-paced world and everything we deal with on all these levels and, and stress can really wear us down. So when we become conscious and conscious creators and understand what's going on here, there are simple ways that we can recharge and take care of it. We're in the world, but we don't have to be of the world, is the saying. We know that things are going to happen. But when you have a strong work field, you can actually learn to make that stronger and let things bounce off that you that you don't want to have affect you. And what I teach my students is 
to remain open, don't build the aura like a wall. But there's two things you can do. One, take care of it and keep it charged at its highest rate. And two, know that things are going to happen. People are going to have reactions towards you and stressful things that happen throughout your day. But you can choose consciously to have that energy as it comes directed at you, which it is. It's received first in the aura, uh, which actually works to try to soften the blow um, before it's a shock to the system as we receive it. You can learn to train your aura where you have that energy coming towards you, but I call it like being a colander, like uh, how we drain pasta. It can flow through you like a colander as the water goes through and not stay with you. It can keep flowing and remove through. And you are then in control. You are kind of the master of your aura and the situation. And you say, I see what's happening. I understand this person. I understand why they're upset. I understand what's occurring, but I don't have to hold on to all this tension and anger and feelings. I can let it flow through and then dissipate away. It doesn't have to stay with me. And especially, I had to learn this lesson the hard way, being an empath, feeling everyone's emotions all the time, taking them in. I used to make myself very sick as a little girl. I would get very ill at the holidays, taking in all the tensions and emotions and things of people, especially like Christmas when everyone's really <laughs> high, highly charged. So I learned the hard way. I'm teaching from experience here. And you can do that. And once you do, then you understand and it doesn't have to become your problem in the same way. If there's something you can do to help, great. But if not, it flows through and moves on. So that's really important. Second, we have a built-in system to recharge our aura. And that's sleep. That's why we sleep. That process takes us to the higher realms and allows that white light energy to come down and recharge our bodies. And that's why it's so important. It's why babies have to sleep so often. They're, they're so innocent to this world. They're not ready for all this over here on this lower plane. They have to recharge a lot just to, to keep going at first. But it's important for us to get good sleep. But when, now, when you talk said, about the sleep, Kayla, are, is there a certain amount of sleep? Are we supposed to pay more attention to our body's natural rhythm and give it the sleep when it's asking for sleep? Um, what What is the, the good guideline for people to understand what their specific aura needs? I love how the mystics have been teaching this for thousands of years and now science is catching up, which is the most exciting part of this time with science and spirituality. The mystics have always taught that your own body tells you. Some people it's four hours, some it's six, some it's eight, some it's ten. Uh, and really, when you look at the old ways, people slept for a certain amount of hours and then they uh, took a nap, and, you know, a siesta, which is still done in some parts of Europe and places they understood this. With, with that understanding now, I just read an article not too long ago that came out that scientists are saying, hey, wait a minute, we think there's something to this. We think people could sleep less hours in one sitting. And they went back and with also some archaeologists and found that people used to sleep less. They actually got up in the middle of the night and, <laughs> and got up for a couple hours and went back to sleep for different reasons. So what we've been told is normal is now being uncovered is no, that wasn't the way it always was. So I'm really a proponent of saying, well, basically with everything I say, which is there is no one right way. When we listen to ourselves, our body tells us. And if we can listen to our own rhythm, our body will tell us when it's tired and when it needs sleep and when it wants to, to get up. If you can take a nap, it is the best thing in the world you can do every day. Um, if you can find even 15, 20 minutes to do it. I used to work for a big corporation years ago where many of the executives had that written into their contracts. They were from Asia, and that was uh, something 
that they found was where they got their best ideas and their best time, and they would have a do not disturb during their lunchtime, and they would choose it to eat a very light lunch and then nap for 45 minutes, and that refreshed them where they worked better, faster, stronger for the rest of the day than everyone else who was dragging at 2 o'clock and hitting the candy machine trying to get some energy. So listen, we have to listen to ourselves independently and find what works best for each of us. But it's not about how much as it is the quality of it, that you relax, that you're not going to sleep worried about things, that you're not stressed, that when you sleep, you surrender to sleep and recharging, and, and you visualize that. You, feel, you visualize yourself getting a good, restful sleep, and that your body and your aura and everything is being recharged. Um, but that's not enough, really, for most people anymore because of the stress of the world and everything going on. So there's a lot of different practices and with food and um, what we take in nutritionally, what we can do meditatively. There's so many different ways, and I tried to share as many of those as I could. And like about uh, trying different fruits and colors and and being able to meditate in some way. And I even wrote a series of meditations that um, – uh, I offer to people that are active meditations for people that just have a hard time sitting in quiet and thinking of nothing. Some people need an active guide to do. So I tried to create some of those as well and uh, let people understand the power of meditation. It's it's such a beautiful thing. And with that, we can visualize. We can visualize the aura. And then I give some uh, tips as well about how in the, in the shower you can picture the water washing away the negativity, washing away the energy that you don't want to hold on to in your field. And then we're Placing it with a simple white light exercise of filling yourself with that pure, brilliant white light and recharging your aura and imaging your aura getting uh, stronger and glowing and that vitality coming through to you. And so there's a lot of simple, easy, inexpensive ways to do this and take care of your aura just like uh, any other part of yourself. And the fact is that we are our own best healers and we have the ability to take charge of the body and the energy that we possessed in this earth plane experience. My guest today is Kayla Ambrose, and we're speaking about her book, The Awakened Aura, which is a wonderful guide that truly details the information that you would need to know in regard to repairing the aura or interpreting the aura and understanding the energy and how to balance how to remove negativity, and how to really create the protective fields. There are seven layers of the aura. Layer one is the etheric body, which is the life force battery of the body. Layer two is the emotional body, which is expanded about four inches outward from the first layer and connects inwardly to the second chakra. Layer three is the mental body, and this field varies greatly uh, so that it can be anywhere from two inches from the emotional layer to as much as 12 inches uh, away from that, and it connects the third uh, chakra, which is the solar plexus and the seat of our will. The fourth layer is the astral body, which is primarily a connective bridge that carries the energy from the higher planes of existence and delivers it to the lower three layers of the mental, emotional, and physical. The layer of number five is the etheric template body, which contains a full imprint of the physical body, and there are only a small number of people that are able to view this layer of the aura but you have the ability to uh, learn how to view auras on all levels with constant and consistent practice and the right teacher. Layer six is the celestial body, which on average is three to four feet from the other layers. It's a very light and ethereal body, and its duties are focused on the spiritual realms. Layer seven is the cathartic body, which extends another three or four feet around the physical body. 
spiritual masters who connect with their auric bodies and fields are able to extend these fields for many more feet. So this just gives you an idea that you are far beyond your physical body and you expand and and grow and have the ability to impact the world much greater than you may even seem possible. Kayla Ambrose is my guest. The Awakened Aura is the book. The website is exploreyourspirit.com, and we'll be right back. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Humanity is entering a new era, and we are evolving into super-powered beings of light. Our auric energies are experiencing a transformational shift as new crystalline structures form within and around our auras. Kayla Ambrose is a respected wisdom teacher, intuitive and oracle, who teaches how to connect with your rapidly changing energy body to expand your awareness and capabilities on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual levels. You can access her at exploreyourspirit.com. You can also sign up for her free newsletter and receive a 30-minute guided meditation. So you might want to take advantage of that uh, as you go there to order your own copy of The Awakened Aura. In addition, uh, she is releasing another book, September 2012, which is entitled The Spirit of New Orleans. So you can also uh, keep your eyes out for that. So welcome back, Kayla. We have just a few minutes left. And I want to give people an idea about how some other things affect them, such um, such as the sun. How does the sun affect our auras? And then um, if in that case, does the moon also affect our auras? It does. Everything uh, in nature affects our auras. And there are so many wonderful meditations we can do, like the salutation to the sun and soaking in that energy and the same by moonlight. And it's really felt etherically. I've explained to people they can be in their office but near a window and just tap into that energy and bring the light into them. They don't have to be... uh, 
sun worshippers, as it's saying used to be, where you lay out in the sun. And for most people, that's not as good anymore with the rays right now. Um, but you can just tap into that energy, whether by sunlight or moonlight, and bring it in, as well as in nature, waterfalls, the beach, uh, the movements there in the mountains. There's different, and each person has an element that in, in energizes them the most, whether it's earth, air, fire, water. So when you find that out and which one it is for you, it really helps you to go and be in that natural environment and soak in that energy. And I also teach about botanicals and talk about those as well, the different types of flowers and which ones can be used to help the aura in the different layers too, with their colors and their energy. Now, you talked a little bit about energetic cords, and I know that there are energetic cords when we fall in love with someone, and and there are also even energetic cords when we cannot forgive someone or we become angry. Is there a certain direction of the energy uh, that it travels when we have those cords, and, and do they affect our auric fields if we're holding one emotion versus the other? They do when we fall in love, as it said. I can see in the heart chakra where it bursts, it starts to vibrate really quickly in that chakra, and then a cord actually bursts forth, like a little tendril growing from a plant, comes from the heart chakra, attaches out and reaches out to this other person we're in love with, and our hope is that that person's heart chakra is doing the same thing, and those cords connect, and when they do, that love bond is formed, and the longer we're with that person in that loving relationship, the stronger the cord becomes, as we say, the ties that bind, or we'll say the family ties as well. And so they say people that are married for decades, they start to look like each other. It's because in the aura, uh, all of this is blending and you can, you can see the differences. People can answer each other's sentences that are in relationships because the cords have gotten so thick and strong and so connected together. This is why if we decide to end the relationship, it takes a while because these cords have to wither and die on the vine, just like a plant. We're pulling and retracting that cord away. They're pulling and retracting it away. And there's a, there's a lot of pain with that as those cords detach. So uh, it's kind of a complex system there that we've created. I see that getting even um, more so now, not just it used to be a lot with loving relationships, but now I see it with all types of relationships. People are connecting, almost forming like a grid of humanity with the cords connecting, um, not just with our thoughts, but with these energetic cords. And most amazingly to me was to see a solar plexus cord that's emerged kind of around the belly button area, but it's a it's an exit valve that I see a lot of negative energy being released from people that is part of our evolution that's helping us to release this energy faster, in a sense preparing us for the coming evolution that I feel that is heading our way where we're going to evolve and as, as you described, like I say, super-powered beings of light. So we're being given assistance with cords that are coming out of us at the solar plexus level to help us release and no longer hold into old karmic patterns or ties or, or things above as we're evolving in, into a different uh, species in a way, I guess is the best way I can describe it. Kayla, what's the best thing that we can do for our children to, to teach them about the aura or to help them strengthen and face any of the uh, stresses that they might have? Because children today, they have their own stresses uh, that start to pile on from a very young age as well. 
They do, and they're, they're so much more evolved than we are. It's amazing to me when I see children and, and the babies being born now, their cords are already different around their body. They're coming back more evolved than we are. The, the children really are some of the greatest teachers in a way. And I look at my son's generation as well. He's in his 20s and how they handle things in a, in a lot of ways more maturely than, than I did at that age, certainly. And while they're different, they're having to focus with a whole new world where everything is topsy-turvy and come to terms with that. And so you find that generation is having a, a little more difficult time understanding where they fit in the world and what to do. And it's truly because they're waiting for the world to catch up to them. They've already kind of made this evolutionary leap that the rest of us are catching up to. So it's, it's hard for them. They're kind of holding a pattern while in a holding pattern, waiting for it to catch up. The best thing is just to, to love them and not try to tell them this is the way it is because they're kind of here to make it not the way it is anymore. And that's a fine line to walk with a parent. You want to protect them and show them how the world works works and to do your best to explain that, but allow them to have their freedom of expression and to understand that they may have different ideas than what we think is the best idea as a parent. And while we can offer them our advice, we have to remember that they, they're just on loan to us from the universe. They don't belong to us. And they have to follow their path and freedom as well. And to be there as a guide, and I, I will say a lot to my son, this is my opinion, this is how I think it should be done, but at the same time letting him know I respect his way and will be there to to help him if I can when he falls and to pick him back up and that he's never alone. And I think that's what children most want to know is that they're loved and supported and that it's okay if they make mistakes and, and learn. And, um, and then if you can teach them about the aura, which children intuitively already gravitate to, they, they seem to know the foods they want to eat or not want to eat or what they want to do in nature or outside. And they have an uh, inherent knowing that I think sometimes gets taken away uh, in school when they have to sit for so long and be told a certain way to do. And I, I would love to see more schools. I wrote about this in a um, for the Learning Annex. They asked me to write about what I saw for future trends coming in the next decade. And I really think the schools are going to have to change to keep up with these new young minds and be taught in a, in a different way, in a, a circular way, where there's not so much of the rigid just sitting at the desk staring straight ahead and focused on this repetition and memorization. It's, it's not the way uh, that we can continue. So I think we're going to see that change. And it's, it's a challenge being a parent right now because things are really changing and flying and these young minds are more awake and more evolved than ever before. Well, I want to thank you, Kayla, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you and to hear all of the wisdom in regard to this. Um, I know that you are a great wisdom teacher and in here definitely to uplift and move people along on the path. We form essentially a new body every seven years, all the way down to the cellular level. At the beginning of each of these seven-year cycles, we've replaced almost every cell in our body and have the opportunity to begin new and fresh as we start to understand that we are constant change, we can also tap into the auric energy bodies and experience a transformational shift as we are moving into becoming multisensory beings. It's time now to access the teachers and the guides and the information that helps you to understand your body in a greater way, understand how to repair that aura how to create your fields of protection, how to remove negative thought forms, and also understand, sense, and communicate with the energy of your own body and the systems that are going on around you. The guest is Kayla Ambrose. The book is The Awakened Aura, and her website is exploreyourspirit.com. 
Definitely access the free online issues of 1111 Magazine. All of the current and archived issues are always there for free for you. You can go to 1111mag.com. You can also sign up for a free 30 days of Matrix Coaching or 1111 Wake Up, and you can enjoy either one of those to be a supportive tool. My guest next week will be Jonathan Ellerby, and we're going to be discussing the promise of paradise. I'm Simran Singh. Until next time, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.